So uh, thank you for having me. I'm Peter Coleman. I'm a professor of psychology and education uh, at Columbia University, and I direct the International Center for Cooperation and Conflict Resolution and co-direct the Advanced Consortium, Consortium on Cooperation, Conflict, and Complexity uh, here at Columbia University. Hi, I'm um, Naira Masalam, and I head uh, research and product development for um, a company called YSC. I also work at um, Teachers College, Columbia University, and the main campus at Columbia and New York University, teaching courses on national security and Middle East, conflict, and peacebuilding. Great. So Naira and I have worked together for many years, uh, and, and uh, we've worked particularly in the area of uh, peace and conflict, studying peace and conflict, working, looking at conflict resolution methods and peace building methods. Um, and, and we're trained as psychologists, but we work in multidisciplinary teams. And one of the primary areas that we've worked in is trying to bring insights and ideas and new methods from complexity science, from applied mathematics, to bear on difficult peace and conflict problems. So uh, what we call sort of intractable kinds of conflicts, long-term, complicated, destructive conflicts that can happen in families and can happen in communities all over the world, um, but are epitomized by things like the Israeli-Palestinian communal conflicts, intercommunal conflicts that have taken place for years, what's taking place in Syria, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, there are these types of what we call intractable conflicts, lo really long-term complex co conflicts um, all over the world. Um, so we've been trying to bring these insights to, um, to practice. Um, and so uh, Naira and I started to work with a team of people, uh, Robin Valiker, who's a social psychologist, Andrzej Novak, who's a Polish complexity scientist, Larry Leibovich, who's an astrophysicist, Andrea Bartoli, who's a, who is an anthropologist and a peace baker, peace builder, uh, Lan Brusinska, who's a Polish um, a social psychologist as well, that was, and Katarina Kugler, who is a German uh, psychologist as well. And that was our primary team initially um, that tried to sort of come together. Uh, we were funded by the James S. McDonald Foundation, who is a foundation, this is a grant that Naira got, and this is a foundation that funds kind of weirdos, <laughs> right? <laughs> funds groups that aren't ready for, you know, uh, NSF grants, but who have sort of promising abstract ideas that they think uh, are worthwhile. And they really funded us to sort of think about how does applied mathematics and complexity science and systems thinking, um, but not just metaphors of systems, but really the sort of mathematics of systems and the more nitty-gritty of systems work, how could that help us think about peace and conflict? So we've been doing that, I don't know, probably eight, maybe even 10 years, something like that. We've been working generally in that area. Have put out many publications. But what we thought we'd talk a little bit about is um, maybe some of the implications of this for the current situation in the Middle East, um, in Israel-Palestine, Iraq, Syria, some of the, even the Arab Spring and some of what we've learned from that. Yeah. Anything we should add, Myra? I think that, that that's a great introduction. Um, you know, so we we talk about complexity science and how it applies to um, difficult problems like the Middle East, and I um, I usually say, well, the answer is in the title, and that is complexity. So when um, I get invited to talk about the Middle East, and and people ask me, well, what do you think about the Middle East? 
um, I say, well, what would you like me to talk about? Mm -hmm. They would say, well, the Middle East. <laughs> I say, yes, but what would you like me to talk about? Yeah. And they say, well, the Middle East. I say, well, I understand that. <laughs> but what exactly would, they, would you like me to talk about? Right. And, and that's really to make the point, yeah? It's yeah. Uh, the problem, I think, starts with the term itself. Sure. The Middle East. Yeah. Well, when you think about the Middle East, it's um, a collection of ethnicities, of countries, of histories uh, that are vast. The differences are really vast. Mm. The, the history of, um, of Egypt yeah. is pretty different from the history of Yemen mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. only in 1990 got unified mm -hmm. as opposed to places like Egypt or Lebanon or Syria mm -hmm. that have had much longer time mm -hmm. to an interaction, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Uh, with uh, with foreign powers to, to 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 get to where they're at today for the better or worse, mm -hmm. and so uh, you know you look at um, the the simplicity of thinking around the Middle East issues, and and typically here in the U.S. you hear well it's everything is going to be either Shia or Sunni mm -hmm, mm -hmm. issue. Well, does that apply to the Palestinians? Not so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To the Egyptians, not so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To uh, Iraq, we have more, ca we, the, the, the history mm -hmm. has allowed more for that, even though some would even argue that it goes deeper than that and it's only just one layer that ultimately, you know, it's about power. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think there are these uh, traps that I call that we get into when we talk about the the Middle East. Mm. And I think the traps start from simple thinking. Sure, sure. Around the region, around the nations, around the countries, around their uh, political interests and drivers. Um, you know, you even take something as controversial as terrorism. Mm -hmm. You know, is it... Does it serve us, those who want to solve these type of problems? To, to, to define to it that way? To, 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 to lump different groups under one label. Right, sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Does Hezbollah has the same motivation as Hamas? Right. Does Hamas has the same motivation as ISIS? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what we're mm -hmm. saying, no, they do not. Uh -huh, sure. Yeah. And so the, I think the problem is in the starts with the simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. Of thinking about the pro of thinking about the problem. Sure, sure. And I think complexity science and what we've been doing actually invites us to understand the nuances, understand the complexity of the nations of the countries mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. we even start. Sure. To address potentially the uh, the solution to Sh them. Sure. I think I think even before 2011 and the so-called Arab Spring. Uh, even the term the Middle East conflict, you know, uh, many Americans or internationals would speak of the Middle East conflict in reference to Israel-Palestine, right? Yes. And Israel-Palestine is not a conflict either. It's many <laughs> different groups in conflicts of different types that have lasted different periods of time and have different, you know, needs and issues. 
So it, it in, in and of itself, even if you drill down just on Israel-Palestine, right, and the d- dynamics there, there are many different sects and groups and issues. And so that is an immensely conflict, uh, a, co- a complex conflict in and of itself. And now, post-2011, you have a variety of other conflicts in the region, which, as you say, are all of very different stripes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And even in the way, I, I, I want to venture and say, no, we're talking complexity thinking, and we have aired as scholars and as interveners to try and address more the cognitive, the thinking aspects. Mm. Yet, at the heart of many of these issues are affect-driven sure. motivations. Yeah. I, um, uh, I, I read w- uh, once this article, and it was around, uh, actually it was on Iran, and uh, somebody, an, an official um, in the Iranian government said, well, nothing poison the psyche of nations as history does, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about it in the context of um, of Iran always feeling that it's a standalone in the region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, so you take something like the uh, Iraq uh, Iran war, mm-hmm. where everybody, where everybody, everybody took Iraq's side sure. against Iran, yeah. including the U.S. and Russia, actually, sure. back at that time. Sure. Yeah? And how that affected mm-hmm. the psychology, sure. the psychology of the nation, and what drives them and the way they engage in the region. Uh, in the region. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're, uh, we're hearing these days about potentially the idea of, um, of Iran, trying to help with what's going on in um, in Iraq. Sure, yeah. In yeah. Iraq, yes. Yeah. Obviously, nobody can predict what's going a- uh, what's going to happen and the and the trajectory. Yeah. Uh, but but that's something new. Yeah. Relatively new approach. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, and so when I get asked about wha- what do I think is going to happen, I say, no, nobody nobody can predict what's going to happen, and nobody could have predicted, sure. in a way, the trajectory the Middle East and even like Iraq these last few months took. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of interventions and what type of interventions have higher likelihood of working. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think complexity sciences invites us to think of the non-obvious, the non-traditional way Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. of intervening. Uh, You look at a region, you look at mindset, really, Mm. where countries talk about their national security interests. Uh Each country talks about its interests. And you look at what's unfolding in the Middle East at large and even some of the debates back in the United States. Sure. And now we're becoming way more interdependent and interconnected in our fate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So something that is happening in Syria, suddenly it's not just a Syrian national security issue. Sure. Sure. No. It's becoming a Jordanian national security issue. It's becoming Iraqi national security issue. Mm-hmm. It's becoming an Israeli national security issue. It's becoming a United States national security issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think the traditional ways of thinking about these problems and even the terms we use yeah. 
are part of are, the problem. Are part of the problem. Right. Sure. Yeah. An oversimplistic view of nation states uh, as they used to be, as they used to interact, and national interests. I think that's a great example of the fact that well, what what do you mean by national <laughs> interest in Syria yes. at this point, given the region? Yeah. Yes. Or even Egypt, or even you know the Palestinians, or or Israel. It's. Um, uh, we are way more interdependent right. than foreign affairs would like us to think. So, so what does this mean for you know? So, um, so I understand that these are complex situations: uh, Israel-Palestine, the current tensions over the kidnapped Israelis, and the reactions to that by Israel, and and you know the counter reactions and the escalation of that by uh, ISIS in Iraq and the consequences of that unfolding, and certainly that's been set up for a long time and perhaps could have been predicted. Um, so there are these chaotic situations that are highly complex. How, how does complexity science help us either think about them differently or maybe, I, I don't even know if intervene is the right word, maybe that's part of the problem okay. is that the idea of intervention is that if you do X, Y will happen, and and in these situations, that's that's never the case, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so I guess the question then that I'm posing for both of us is, uh, what is the added value of recognizing the complexities of these situations um, for practice, for intervention, for making things better in the region? Yes. Well, I mean, if we talk about Israel, uh, Palestine. Mm -hmm. If we put it in a context, mm -hmm. that is just another episode. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yes, uh, we can start if we want to just talk maybe about uh, about modern history of, of forty eight and uh, up mm -hmm, to now. Mm -hmm. uh, every few months there is another episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Every few months there is escalation, there is de-escalation. Uh, every few months um there uh, so, some are more visible than than others mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know to give the example of the media and the kidnapped boy i, I saw this morning a campaign uh, on the palestinian side mm -hmm. where they were saying that uh, 196 children under the age of, age of 12 are in Israeli jails, mm -hmm. wow. and so they are countering mm -hmm. the the debate with actually exactly the same label of "bring back our boys," uh -huh, uh -huh, sure. which yeah. was both by the uh, the Israelis use it, then the Palestinians now are using it, and right. but but some of us are going well. This is also hijacking a different type of campaign, <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure, sure. That, that was related to a different um, sure, sure. Uh, issue. Uh, and so the, the Israel-Palestine, I mean, this is just another episode. Uh -huh. And we have been trying, and we should continue and try. Mm -hmm. The question is, is there something different mm -hmm. that we could do about this? Because dynamical systems theory and complexity science tells us mm -hmm. you have a low chance, lower chance, mm -hmm. of things working of you having the effect that you would like to have sure. because it pretty much becomes an attractor, sure, right? Sure. It's, uh, it's very quickly uh, negative emotions, negative thinking, negative behavior start uh, other, uh, capitalizing right. and feeding on each other, right. and it becomes really difficult to intervene. So attractors I are just, again, uh, an applied mathematics idea that 
these patterns in conflict dynamics or peace dynamics, um, the stability of the conflict there in, the, in Israel-Palestine, for example, his, um, has a decades-long, some would say over a hundred-year-long history, um, and that it becomes extremely resistant to change. So you can change policies, leaders can come and go, be killed, die off, become martyrs. Uh, there can be all kinds of changes, but the pattern stays pretty stable. And that's what is known as an attractor pattern. Things yes. that it really attracts people to a certain kind of way of thinking and acting and behaving and certain policies and structures that really just make it feel like it's impossible and resistant to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and funny enough, the um, idea of solving the conflict mm -hmm. is not attractive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Uh, I mean, uh, you ask everybody, would you like peace yeah. to happen? They would say yes. Uh -huh. But I, I have a theory that we haven't made the idea of peace to be attractive enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what do I mean by that? You know, at the end of the day, people are not politicians. Yeah. People want, people can have different opinions, different ideologies about the world. And I mm -hmm. think part of the issue is that we try to solve conflicts by addressing these issues that are very difficult uh -huh. to resolve mm -hmm. in terms of ideology, in terms of who owns the land, in terms of it. But people do want to live peacefully side by side together. Sure. And so I think it just invites the international community to think perhaps a bit differently, mm -hmm. to think of ways of intervening that would make that possibility more attractive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So whether it's economical incentive, uh -huh. whether it is... Um, uh, uh, increasing interdependence yep. in in different ways other than political mm -hmm. um, that 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 really invites both Israelis and Palestinians to be equal partners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, somebody may may argue with me and say, "But that's a problem. They're not they're not equal partners." Right. Well, what can we do? What type of interventions can we do so we go mindful? Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. creating equal partnerships. Uh -huh, uh -huh, sure, yeah. So, so one of the things that we've learned from the study of complex social systems is that um, uh, conflicts and peace and more destructive social dynamics are not necessarily the opposite of more peaceful, harmonious dynamics, right? We oftentimes think of them as the, you know, if, if you resolve a conflict, peace emerges, and when, when conflicts emerge, peace goes away. But what, what the study of, of complexity has brought to in the understanding of peace and conflict is that in some ways there's sort of like two parallel realities that can exist in any kind of social situation. And the, and the way you see that is because sometimes you'll have conflicts like in Mozambique, which is one of the conflicts we've studied, that there'll be a long-term, you know, Mozambique had a civil war that lasted for decades and then it had 16 years of, it had an independence war and then it had 16 years of a civil war. So it was really a country that was living in war for decades. And in a relatively short period of time, um, transitioned into a very peaceful dynamic. 
And then in the last couple of years, we've seen the conflict dynamic return. And so it's not that it moves from peace to conflict, but that they're both kind of there at simultaneously. And what I, what I hear you saying is that addressing the conflict, negotiating the conflict, uh, negotiating the military issues, the occupation issues, that's definitely important, but it's insufficient. It's not enough. And that we have to work more on, well, what does peace look like? And how do we make that something that people are interested in? Yes, because you can have agreements. And agreements are extremely important right. between, um, you know, between the two entities, the Israelis and the Palestinians, and, and that's more leadership dependent. Right. Uh, leadership dependent, and hopefully with a little bit of uh, pressure and, and shepherding, the, right. le- the leaders would get to a point right. where they will reach an agreement. And look, Such as Oslo, right? So, yeah. Right. was an agreement. It was an agreement, right. but then the reality on the ground was different yeah and I think this is what we're we get trapped in so we're waiting for the agreements Mm -hmm. so we can then do the the have uh, build the peace the real work that needs to be done in communities and families yes and And I just you know invite us and I think as interveners to to think in peril processes Uh uh-huh that it's as important that we build communities, we develop uh, populations, we um, have the interrelations, even before agreements get there. Mm -hmm. So isn't that to some degree what uh, NGOs have been doing, problem-solving workshops in the Middle East that bring kind of, you know, mid-level influentials together, you know, clergy and rabbis and, and, and educators and media people together to try to think together, or just dialogue groups that some, you know, uh, non-for-profits or NGOs will do on the ground. Is, isn't that what they're trying to do is, is create the conditions, um, more bottom-up conditions for peace to be able to stick? Yes, uh, they're definitely trying to do that. Now, I've, I've I've spent a few months in the Palestinian territories and and got to know many of the NGOs there and and the perceptions of local population Mm -hmm. uh, around the NGOs. Look, these are all well-intentioned interventions. Mm -hmm. The issue is that they created a a great deal of dependency. Of the local population on them, that was not empowering. Mm. And you know how it is with NGOs. Somebody gets a grant, mm-hmm. they get a hundred thousand grant, and they go to do the couple of the workshops, and then the grant is over, mm-hmm. and and people pick up and leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're temporary the, uh, they, solutions, they, band aid solutions, and they're not as empowering for the local community. Mm-hmm. I think resources are extremely important. I think support and guidance are extremely important. Mm-hmm. But we got to figure out how to do this better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can Google or high tech or startup uh-huh. play a better role mm-hmm. in building capacity uh-huh. bottom up? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that everybody 
has been wanting to solve the conflict by trying to solve the conflict mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the issues that we typically associate with the conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they want people to understand the other and and, 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 and I'm not saying it's not important. Sure. But to live in peace, mm-hmm. to be peaceful with yourself, with your family, with your community, mm-hmm. we also start talking about other things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We start talking about jobs, we start talking about education, we start talking about livelihood, and I think there is more space for that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for us to, to be engaged in these type of initiative that are sustainable, that uh, create a sense of self-sufficiency of a community, and that are more long-term, mm-hmm. that then can really uh, uh, be a path for better peace. Sure, sure. All right, so let me ask you a hard question. Yes. So say that the um, Knesset, the um, Palestinian Authority, and the Israeli government were able to sort of come together enough to say, we want to create a position, uh, a state-level position, um, or a multi-state-level position that is the, you know, the chairperson of, of peace and reconciliation. And we're going to fund it, or the U.S. will fund it, or somebody will fund it. Um, and we're, we're going to give the office a, a sufficient authority to really make a difference, right? To think long-term, not short-term. It's not about negotiations. It's really about how do we build this thing? Um, and they turn to Naira Masalam and say, we think you should be the, dir- the, the, initial, the initial director, which would be my recommendation. Um, Thank you. So, so what, what would you do? How would you, <clears throat> in, a, in a position like that, <clears throat> which, again, what we can say is supported top-down, but you know, informed, connected to the communities, to community actors, to NGOs, um, what what would you do to to set a course that would move not in the short term but perhaps in the long term to a, a better situation there better, better situation that's a really difficult question <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i i'll tell you what i think we need to move beyond talking about conflict uh-huh, uh-huh. So whatever I would recommend is not to have anything, actually, within the space of talking about conflict, Uh uh talking about ideology, Uh talking about one state solution, two state solution, my grievances, your grievances, none of that. Mm -hmm. So you'd put that away and say someone else deal with that. Right. I would want to orient community to what could be possible uh-huh. and have projects that touch on that mm-hmm. and that implement that. So, mm-hmm. because what happens in these type of conflicts, what, what the sense of possible also gets narrow. Sure. Everything is around the conflict. Sure. But to release that mm-hmm, from the mm-hmm. mindset and, and, and really in, invite people to be the best they can be with partnerships. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So that could be around, and, and uh, that could be around science. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That could be around environment. Mm-hmm. That could be around startups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that could be around turning 
uh, Israel-Palestine to the most attractive spot in the world mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and communities working together on it. Sure, sure. Uh, that could be around architecture. Uh -huh. How do we have an architecture that mm. is less oppressive, that is uh, more equalizing, that is more humane mm -hmm. to everybody? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I think I would focus on these type of initiatives mm -hmm, mm -hmm. rather than conflict conflict negotiations uh -huh. yes. and and not to say it's not important sure but we have done it enough already right right a and there is a sense of fatigue mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean you ask both palestinians and israelis would you be up to sitting another dialogue group and right. uh, it's not exciting anymore. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's not, it's, it's, there is a fatigue mm -hmm, mm -hmm. related to it. People want a different future. People want different present. And, and that ties to things that have nothing to do in a way with Israel-Palestine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. has to do with decent living it has to do with non-humiliation it has to do with feeling secure it has to do with thriving it mm -hmm. has to do with being able to provide uh, and being a global player right to be able to, to move and to have israel palestine be a representation of a great way to transform tourism transform architecture transform it whatever right yes. to be a to really be more of a global player and less of a global i don't know attractor a, to trouble attractor of trouble right yes yeah yeah no, yes i think that I, I i like that vision how are we on time um we are uh pretty much out of time I guess. okay okay all right <laughs> again well but no i think that's a nice note to end on i think it's nice to i, I like the vision of, of of putting the conflict aside taking peace seriously but understanding it uh, as you say in more nuanced terms not as in the context of conflict negotiations and peacemaking but really in the context of of life and what resonates what what do the people want to do what do they want to do together what do they see and are excited about in the future yeah. and really investing in support of that i I, I support the office. I support your nomination. <laughs> and, uh, and thank you for uh, the conversation. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Very awesome. good. I actually wanted to ask about your tattoo. What is that of? Uh, that is uh, my mother's name. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> it is beautiful. <laughs> is that new? Or have you had that a long time? For two years. For two years. But okay. you haven't well, seen I it. I haven't seen <laughs> it that much. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> See what happens? You leave and you get you get ink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ruby, are you going to air 